Welcome to K-Drama School. I'm your host, Grace Jung, and class is now in session. After a really wonderful time in Carmel Highlands, California, I really needed that break. I really needed the time to get away from LA, get away from this apartment, get away from the construction, get away from the neighbors, get away from the noisy ass traffic, and the fireworks, and the barking dogs. You know what's funny though is when I got to my hotel room, I stayed at the Hyatt. There was a neighbor with a barking dog on the balcony the whole time. I mean, it's really, it's amazing how the very thing that you try to get away from is always going to be right there, you know? So it's, it's really, it's really my fault if I think about it, you know, I attracted it by thinking about it so much, you know? And, and the funny thing is when I got back here, the neighbor's dog was barking its head off and I, it just didn't bother me. If anything, I was comforted by its familiarity and the fact that it wasn't that dog over there at the Hyatt. You know, it's just funny how people, how people start to figure out a way to accept their misery. Yeah. But my time up there was a really special time. I went alone. I stayed in a really beautiful room. I had a beautiful view of the ocean. It was kind of up on a cliff so I could look down at the sea and look at the treetops. And I went hiking every single day. I saw a lot of mushrooms. I tried foraging some edible mushrooms because I did notice that, you know, there were like these portobellos and these meadow mushrooms. I know that they're edible. But when I brought them home, I found some worms in the gills and that made me scream my head off at the sink for like a minute and a half. And yeah, I just realized like as much as I want to be this mushroom fo forager hunter type, my phobia of worms is really getting in the way of pursuing that with full throttle. And it's just, a, it's just a phobia I need to get over. If I want to really become this mushroom gathering wild woman, then I, I need to just get over this fear of worms and I'm working on it. But I don't even know where the hell it comes from. I don't even know why I have this fear. It, it sucks having it, but I know that a lot of people have this fear of worms and snakes and centipedes. I saw a snake while I was on a hike. There's this area uh, by Carmel, it's called uh, the Kala Lily Valley, and it's, it's on a cliff. You have to go down this cliff and get to the beach area. And right before you get to the ocean, there's this fresh water that's coming down like the mountain spring, like this little creek. And around that creek are all these kala lilies just growing and it's so beautiful. And I was just like, this feels like a magical little wonderland, like a little secret patch, you know? And for a minute there, it did feel like a secret because I was there all by myself. And, you know, I took a bunch of videos and just kind of playing by the sea and playing by the rocks and the flowers. And then, you know, like a bunch of tourists ambled in and it just ruined everything. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm not alone. Uh, we're never alone in these places that we think are the most beautiful places. But I think my favorite place to hike was in Big Sur. Big Sur is this densely wooded area. It's about 35, 45 minutes south of Carmel. 
but it's it's densely wooded so you're not hiking under the bright beating sun and a lot of california hikes tend to be that way and so it's a very it's a very cool hike it's nice and damp you see a lot of mushrooms i saw so many so many mushrooms during that hike and um i got to the very very top of it i think it was called like something roosts trail i forget the first part of the name but it was like a very awkward name for such a beautiful hike but i got all the way up to the top of the mountain and i saw all these hawks flying up there and it was just really intense and magical and beautiful and i stayed there for six nights seven days i it's a five-hour drive from la i took the one uh for the most of it about half of the drive i took the one so i was i was on the pacific coast highway which was really really fabulous and um i did a lot of writing while i was up there i wrote i wrote about 20 25000 words of my novel up there and i finished up a first draft and i sent it off i sent it to two uh friends of mine for a first read i sent it to this agent i've been in talks with and um, hopefully it'll go somewhere, you know, I mean, I noticed that I haven't been uh, going to open mics as much and I noticed that I haven't been working on anything else very much like I haven't really been drawing that often and, you know, I, I've been just really absorbed in writing this book. Uh, I was very focused on it all of November, December and the last two weeks of January and uh, my time in Carmel was most productive. So I am proud of that. And, you know, if you guys ever feel like you need to get away to focus on your work, do it. I think it's worth doing. Uh, because going up there and being by myself with my thoughts and just kind of hiking and taking in nature and seeing things and taking a break and eating snacks and, you know, I, I had a hot tub, so I would sit in the hot tub and listen to music or watch a film I really love. And it, it was just really, really fabulous. And while while I was going through the motions of this leisurely day-to-day, -day, I was able to formulate my thoughts better so that I had more ideas in order to, to, to put into the book. So um, taking this kind of time off as an artist is very, very important. And I hope that you'll all treat yourself to that. I, I have not been applying for academic jobs uh, lately. I, I think I stopped completely. I'm not feeling very motivated to do any of it right now. I'm just kind of going to coast and try to live this unemployed life for as long as I can. And I call it unemployed, but really it's self-employment, right? I mean, I'm currently uh, in the process of scanning some artwork. I had to buy a 300 and something dollar scanner today in order to accommodate the massive size of my sketchbooks. So moving forward, I'll probably work from a smaller sketchbook. But in any case, uh, I just, I, I feel like I'm at a point where I am no longer all that psyched or fearful of, of not psyched or fearful. I'm just not fearful of the, um, the non-stable income existence anymore. I am very much comfortable now with the idea of a freelance writer's life, a freelance artist's life. So that, that if anything, is going to make me a little bit more gung-ho about getting paid as a stand-up and getting paid as an artist. But 
I mean, that's how it's got to be. And that's how it's going to be now, I think. Uh, I, I was talking to my therapist about this and I was just kind of telling her, like, I don't think I can, I don't think any of these academic jobs worked out for me, even though I am qualified for them just because I don't want it. I, I don't think I want it. You know, I thought I did, but I just, I actually kind of don't. And I think the only way that I'll accept an academic position at this point is if an institution offers it to me and just says, we'd like you to be an artist in residence or something like that, then I, I might do it. You know, if they ask me to come in and offer a, a writing workshop, a creative writing workshop, then I might do it. If they asked me to come in and do like a stand-up comedy course, then I might do that. Or a K-drama course, then I might do it. But I don't think I want a tenure track position at a university anymore. I think that idea has just really sailed after the debacle that I encountered back in December, which at this point I have fully recovered from. Like I don't have any blues or any resentments around that at this point. I'm just kind of like, thank God it didn't work out because you know, it's kind of like dodging a bullet, right? Like you look back and you think about the the guys that you might have married back then. And then you're like, oh, thank God that didn't work out. But in any case, um, I, I had a lot of dreams the whole time I was up there. I remembered about like, yeah, I remember the bulk of my dreams. They were very intense. The last night I was up in Carmel, I had a series of nightmares. I don't know why. I think I, it, it's really tied to the anxiety of coming back to LA. Uh, but last night, um, I had some wild dreams as well, but they were not nightmares. They were just more like interesting and weird. And um, I'm glad that my dreams are back. So um, I'm. it's a sign that I'm getting more in tune with my spirituality it's a sign that I am in a healthier place um, mentally and physically and emotionally and artistically. So, um, yeah, I think uh, I'm a little bit more aligned in the aftermath of this trip. Today, I'm going to talk about Hospital Playlist, which is a TVN drama exclusively on Netflix in the United States. It's written by Yi Woo-jung, who wrote the Reply series, like Reply 1997, Reply 1994, and Reply 1988. It is directed by Shin Won-ho, and he directed all of the Reply series programs. Yoo Jung is an interesting writer because she comes from a background in variety reality TV shows. So she used to write on Two Days, One Night, the first season. She wrote The Grandpa's Over Flowers, which became adapted uh, by NBC at some point. These were all very popular Korean variety shows and variety show writers really have more of a producer role on these networks rather than a writer role, even though they're all called writers uh, and all, they all get paid kind of lousily as writers. But these uh, variety show writers hold great responsibility for not only giving joke ideas to the cast members by writing them down and holding them up on sketchbooks or holding up directions for the cast members to read from their sketchbooks, but they're also responsible for location scouting and getting release forms signed and getting owners shop approvals for being filmed and pre-interviews with business owners before the arrival of these celebrities in those spaces, etc. So writers... Uh, are called writers, but they have a lot more responsibility beyond just writing. And it's really a network's way of exploiting their freelance status because they have job precarity and low salaries. And unsurprisingly, the majority of these variety show writers tend to be women because the labor that they conduct on these programs is 
typically emotional labor, right? Like talking to people, getting approval forms signed, what have you. Hospital Playlist is a show that's also linked to Prison Playbook, which Yoo Jung did not write, but she is associated with it as more of an executive producer because the show was produced under her production company. And the cast members are similar. Hospital Playlist did fairly okay in South Korea in terms of ratings for a cable TV drama. It is unique in that it had two seasons. This almost never happens, but if you look at the reply series, they're mostly about 24 episodes. So it's not so much that there were two seasons, it's more that there were 24 episodes and then they got broken up into 12, 12 episode installments. So I think it was really to fit Netflix's package deal between South Korea's production company in order to, to make this work. I think that's why they have two seasons, but it's really it's really one show, right? Most hospital serialized dramas tend to do pretty well. They kind of write themselves. If you look at shows like ER and Grey's Anatomy in the United States, they have an endless number of seasons because the stakes are always high in a hospital setting. And that's really what keeps the stories moving forward. It's the drama of these patients' lives and their predicament. Right? The plot line surrounding the characters is somewhat lower stakes compared to the patients' lives. You know, their interpersonal grumblings about their love life didn't really mean that much to me in comparison to watching a kid die of heart failure, for instance. I found this show to be less appealing than the Reply series, especially Reply 1988. It's got a lot of the similar pieces of the Reply series, like having a bunch of male cast members with one female cast member who has like one female sidekick, right? I mean, that's been the the typical pattern with all of these shows that Yoo Jung writes. Uh, it's pretty much a rehashing of what I've seen before but it's a tad lackluster compared to Reply 1988, which I would say is Yoo Jung's best work. And I hope she'll write another show that is as good as that, but maybe it's not even her writing. Maybe it's just the casting. Maybe it's the fact that these people are, you know, in their late 30s, early 40s. That makes it weird, right? The casting here for Hospital Playlist is also a bit clunky for me. I didn't really feel like the cast members had a very tight chemistry. The age difference among the actual actors is somewhat scattered. Maybe that's the reason. It made it a little bit awkward for me to watch. But I always love watching Cho Jung-seok in shows. I think Cho Jung-seok is an amazing actor. He's a really fine actor and one of those born-to-be-on-stage actor types. Today's guest is Magda Mehalia. She is a Romanian comedian based in France. Her video played on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, and she is a very talented comedian. I met her in Barcelona a few years ago where we both did a show together, and I really enjoyed working with her. I really enjoyed talking to her. I think she's very funny, very insightful, very intelligent. Let's talk to Magda Mehalia. How are you doing? Oh, I, now I'm happy that I arrived at my sister's house. Um, okay. So, yeah. But it was an adventure because I arrived at a train station and there was a strike. Then I went to the bus oh. and there was an accident on the highway. So we were like four hours just stopped in the middle of the highway waiting for the accident. Oh, my God. Wait, what's ha What? So you're in Romania right now? Yeah, I came uh, for the winter I break. see I see I see 
Fuck. Okay, so you were like in like in travel mode yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but That's I was why. supposed normally I was supposed to arrive like six, and in the end it was nine <laughs> with all the. Shit. Yeah, things. that's happened to me before. What are they striking over? Do you know? More money. The classical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, it's not. But I, I had like a guardian angel because I went to the machine to buy it from there. And this woman yeah. sa- sitting next to the machine, she said, I don't know if you know, but they are having a strike and no trains are leaving right now. So don't buy a ticket because maybe you don't even get your money back if. Oh, so shit. I was like, oh, thank you. Yeah, you got lucky there. Yeah, she was My just God. sitting there. She was like, oh, okay. Yeah, there are always people like that, you know? like um, Coming from nowhere. People just who just... To... Yeah. Like, that's their job for the day. You know? Like, <laughs> that's that's all they do. Saving yeah. the moment. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it gives them, like, a sense of purpose or whatever. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Because they're like older, what are they gonna do? Just sit there and know the rules of the day, exactly. and then just tell people. <laughs> well, there are also the enforcers of the rules because if you go to an Orthodox church in Romania mm-hmm. and you don't mm-hmm. kiss all the icons and don't bow in the right places, there's these old ladies who will be like poking you in the back and like you just mm-hmm. entered and you didn't go to bow in front of the altar, like. Go, 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 yeah. go, shoot. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's uh, it's definitely, like, something that the elders are there for. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, we can decide or judge whether it's good or bad or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, that's what they're there for. That's why they're there, <laughs> is to enforce rules. Now, I was, um, I'm re-watching that show, The Crown. You know the show, yes? I saw just uh, some episodes when they said they made some episodes about Diana. I uh, yeah. directly jumped to see some of those episodes, but I didn't watch it yeah. chronologically. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, when Diana first moves into the palace, mm. like, th- her grandmother is there to teach her all the rules and all the rips. Like, that's what, it, like, when you were telling me this, that's what, uh, what I was hearing. <laughs> what it's like... About? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what grandmothers are there for, is just to tell you the rules and tell you how things were. Mm. But they know? tell you how it how it used to work because they don't ma- they don't upgrade themselves to uh-huh. new society. My grandma uh-huh. used to tell me that if a guy wants to kiss me, I shouldn't yeah. do like this. I should be like shy and let the guy try <laughs> to get my and I was like, But I'm dating a guy who is like one meter ninety, like he's super tall. If I don't do like this, he's never going to kiss me. He's not going to find my mom. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's funny. No, it's interesting how you say that. It's like they don't, they know the past. They know the rules of the yeah. past, but they don't want to catch up to the present. Like, why do you think that is? Why do you think, like, there comes to a certain point, or where do you think that point is when, like, a woman just stops wanting to learn the new rules and just sticks to her old values. Like, why does that happen? When does that happen? Well, I think I, I would have liked to say late in life, like when you retire or something. But it already yeah. happened uh-huh. to me when I first entered TikTok. Uh, yeah. Or it, 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 it constantly happens to me when people share some TikTok videos on Instagram because I use Instagram more often. And I see those right. videos and I'm like, this is something I refuse, like, 
I understand it's new, I understand it's different, but it's something I refuse to understand. And I think there's a moment yeah. in your life getting older yeah. when when you see the new generation doing something and you understand it's different, it might be interesting to learn more about it, but in some of the cases, like, of course, you're not going to do this with everything, but in some of the cases, you're like, yeah. I'm not going to spend time of my life to learn why people have text above their heads and do this with their heads while, yeah. <laughs> while the text is floating. Like, why they don't just point yeah. to the text and they need to be like chickens. Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm 34 now and I'm like, no, I think, okay, that's where I like, I uploaded like five of my videos on TikTok, but videos I already like parts of my shows, like nothing TikTok-ish, let's say. Right, right. Uh, but I see things like that and I'm like, mm -mm, no, it, it's okay yeah. if I stay, if, if this is where I begin being old and if this is where I begin <laughs> judging <laughs> people, <laughs> so be it, like, yeah, maybe this is my moment. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's a good point. I think it's just like, we get to a certain point and we're like, I I don't want to learn anymore about <laughs> your technology and your gimmicks and your trends like mm. i'm tired of it because we've seen some variety of that when we were younger and, I and think, it's like when mm. yeah i think also it's like uh like in my case like i traveled and i i'm you're you tr like the way to connect with people is having a common culture meaning yeah You've saw the same cartoons, you grew up with the same food, you grew up with the same music, same uh, TV stars, right. so you have things to, to relate. And I feel this now sure. that I moved to France, that there are plenty of cultural things that simply I cannot relate and people cannot relate with me. So I feel this gap, no? I feel this lack in my life. Uh, so I think also, uh -huh. like, as you say, like, this, I, I don't need to understand this. It, it also means uh, at my age, uh, I can relate to people on other topics. Like if I don't know anything about TikTok, that's okay. But if I would be 20 and everybody yeah. around me would have an account, would be doing a challenge, would know the latest dance, and at a party they uh -huh. would break out into a TikTok dance and I would be the only person not knowing the dance so I cannot join right. them then I would feel yeah. the pressure to know it. But if now, if now the six person I have in my closest circle that I spend the most time with, if they start right. learning TikTok dances, then I might right. learn one as well to feel part of the group. <laughs> uh, but sure. I, I draw the line at kids. I think getting a kid to be part yeah. of the group is where I draw the line. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's my generation's yeah. TikTok challenge is... <laughs> doing the diaper yeah. the diaper changing that <laughs> yeah maybe maybe that's why people have children it's like uh like your children become your tutors in what the latest trends are and what young people are <laughs> doing or thinking about or trying yeah. on like it's like the youth the youth and their culture and their generation and what they're about it's like it's in your house yeah so you have to deal with it you see it all the time and it's like, oh, that's like one way of sort of staying afloat. It's like through your children mm. in a way. 
But yeah, it's like, I think it's, I think you're right. I think it's generally because people just stop wanting to learn it. And also because of the people that you're surrounded by. It's like people your age, people who understand your nostalgic background, basically. You know, like you're, you're mentioning things like cartoons. Like that's such a huge part of our youth and everybody has that phase in their life it's like oh what cartoon were yeah. you obsessed with when you were a kid <laughs> or that certain episode and, uh, uh, that very moment in an episode that you remember or... yeah mm. exactly yeah then it's then it becomes this sort of uh network of memories that people share a common mm. ground in it's uh it's like we have to have like a backlog of data wherein we can relate and connect with other people who have similar backlogs of mm. data. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. And the youth, like, they don't have it. So they're creating that data and we're seeing them do it. And it's like, yeah, I don't, I, I already have mine. I already have yeah. my data. So you guys make and create your own. A new I'm just going to. You are building on this new planet of young people <laughs> that you are on. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. So I think it's just a matter of like somebody getting too full. It's like, oh, I ate too much and I don't really want to eat more of that. <laughs> yeah. Even though new food is coming out. That's interesting. Okay. Okay. So you moved to France? You're no longer in Switzerland? No, I was always in France, but I live like at 20 minutes from the border with Switzerland. So it's oh. as if I'm living in two countries in the same time. It's a very right, special situation. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that sounds awesome. It must be very beautiful where you're at then. Yeah, it's amazing. And uh, well, it's amazing in the sense that it's small enough so that you can reach nature and be in nature very fast. But also yeah. it's very well connected so you can take a plane and be in the best capitals or like most touristical capitals yeah. or by even by like I'm three uh -huh. hours away by train from Paris or so it's good also for mm. the doing shows and also for exploring it was yeah. shit during the pandemic but <laughs> uh, of course yeah yeah but you had a lot of beauty to fall back on outdoors yeah. I'm sure and I, and I yeah. like during the lockdown is where I did the video with the cows that got on uh the tonight show so those cows are like oh, really? 10 minutes away from where i live that's why that's why I did yeah the tell video me tell me about this <laughs> yeah yeah um, how did this happen let's say it's <clears throat> i i spent too much time on social media like this is mm -hmm. a real problem i have um mm -hmm. because i noticed like i'm at that point of disease where i just take my phone out just to feel it in my yeah. hand and I will just open Facebook or Instagram if there's like a smaller the smallest gap in a conversation I will if that's my sure like sure this anxiety of I need some stimulus uh -huh. um, but the only positive thing that came out of that over use of social media is that I was scrolling Instagram uh, I think it was mm -hmm. the second lockdown in France and mm -hmm. I saw the announcement from The Tonight Show uh, saying, uh, well, Jerry Seinfeld has this book out with all of his jokes. So we are challenging people to record themselves uh, telling one of his jokes from his book in their own way. And you, we might show him the video if you are in the free uh, winners of this competition. 
Um, mm. So then I, like, I just print screened that, and I already had Seinfeld's book. I bought it when it came out. So I made yeah. a print screen. I sent it to my boyfriend, and I said we were both working from home at that point. And I said, "Well, should we do mm -hmm. this tomorrow during lunch break?" So during lunch break, we went out, but I was like, I was taking it so much as just like a lunch break activity that you just do to have some entertainment in your boring life. Yeah. That I was like, I didn't yeah. put any makeup. I didn't dress in a way. I didn't dress with the thought this might make it to national sure. and international television. Sh I dressed sure. with the thought, let's just do this as an activity and 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 get over with it. So yeah. then I I purposely because I I knew we have these cows that are in a farm like ten minutes from the home. On purpose, I looked for a joke with or about cows in the book. Yeah. And yeah. and then I think we tried it like three times because we wanted the cows to be like closer in the background uh, and to look okay. like they are more part of the audience. I, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just uh, I just did a joke. Now I'm sorry that I like because I used the book for the joke because I thought you need like to prove that you bought his book. <laughs> Oh, okay. okay. So I had the book in my hand, Funny. but then I saw the other two people who sent it. They learned it by by heart, which I could have uh -huh. done. But I just thought, if I pretend to be yeah. using the book, is like, oh, look, I bought it. <laughs> right, right, so, right. So yeah, we tried like three times, and then I chose a video where the cows were closer. Uh, uh -huh. And then I got an email saying uh, your video was like pre-selected for the show, but we cannot guarantee uh -huh. it will make it because okay. it, we cannot tell you until the last moment. Huh? And then I managed right. to find some dodgy online website that was showing the TV show live when it was aired. Okay. <laughs> you know, these websites yeah, yeah, where yeah. you have like 10 advertising popping up and it's like right. you don't know what kind right. of virus your computer is going to get but I was so desperate <laughs> to see it and yeah. I put my it was like 4am in France when it was airing oh wow and it oh, was wow. also like the Thanksgiving uh, special program um, uh -huh. and then I started seeing the program and they say oh, yeah, now the challenge and they tell Seinfeld like now we're going to show you free videos and the first one was a girl, uh, like she was American, and the second one was a guy, and he was American. And then I was like, it's a Thanksgiving show. There's no way right. they are going to put a foreigner because it's like a right. super American holiday yeah. and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then I saw the... And now, Madame Mihaila from France. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And I was like, just... Like it's it's super good they put it on YouTube after because while they were showing it I was just jumping around and <laughs> screaming around the house. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But even like when I got the email saying you are pre-selected, you might make it to the show. I already thought yeah. like if I only have this email and I don't uh. make it to the show, like only this email signed by somebody who is working for the Tonight Show. This is enough uh. for me to feel super good that <laughs> they had a look at it and they thought it's like quite good <laughs> for the show. Right. And, right. And then I got a lot of hate uh, because so I got a lot of attention from Romanian TV and Romanian press about this. 
and okay. they thought it was like a nice topic to have like mini interviews and yeah. I gave like some Zoom interviews. But yeah, when I like because you could have uh, they were choosing one of the free videos mm, to give that person like a cap of the show and a T-shirt or something, and they asked the address mm. and. I said, well, this is my address, and my address was on fr in France. So in the program, they said Magda from France, and in they were showing the video in Romania when they were interviewing me, and I got a lot of hate from Romanian ah. people saying, oh, you said right. on purpose, you are from France, because if you have said you are Romanian, ah. they would never choose you, because nobody knows where Romania You are ashamed of your origins, and all this shit. Interesting. Like, That's not what happened. <laughs> Right. But yeah. Right. It was a yeah a big thing. How interesting. How interesting. So many things, man. <laughs> so many things to unpack there because first of all, the people who are saying like, "Oh, you didn't say Romania is because you're ashamed of our country." Like they're clearly projecting, you know? Yeah. Like that's clearly their baggage, right? It's hmm. just it's so funny to me how people go online and expose their own insecurities so blatantly <laughs> and without any any awareness. Mm. It's like you're revealing your insecurity <laughs> and your problems I right now by telling so me that easy right now just because of Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like I wasn't that didn't even cross my mind and you're putting it into the yeah. situation when that was not the case. So that's funny to me. Mm. I love that you just took this assignment, not even assignment, it's like a competition mm. as just very casually and easily and freely, just like with your boyfriend during lunch break. It's like, let's just do this <laughs> for fun with the cows. And like, what a great selection of animal too. It's like dogs, <laughs> cats, you see that all the time. But I feel like, like cows are really cute yeah, they're like they're really amazing. really adorable they're like huge right dogs, they're adorable actually. creatures yeah. they're like big dogs yeah, yeah 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 and you know and they're curious they're like very curious yeah. animals and it's like novel to have that it's unique and <laughs> funny and uh and fun so i i love how you handle that whole task and uh yeah like you know, I like how you were celebrating just the fact that, you know, the Tonight Show was like, yeah, you're pre-selected. They acknowledge you know, I maybe exist. we'll like, air that you. Was <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think uh I think they they did that because it's like, I mean, you, your video was the punchline, yeah. you know, cuz it was like supposed to be this Thanksgiving thing, American yeah. thing, and then it's like you're Romanian in <laughs> France with cows. It's like very not Thanksgiving-y at all, yeah. at all. So they're like, oh yeah, this is like perfect, right? Um, I love that. I, I think that's excellent. I'm so happy that you had that moment. And I think I was yeah. so relaxed yeah. about it because it seemed so big and impossible. Like I think if I would have oh. had to do the same thing, but for a French television or for a Swiss television, then I would have put on makeup and I would have tried to have like a lavalier microphone and maybe I would have borrowed right. the good camera from my office for one yeah. day. Yeah. But since it seemed yeah. like something that it's impossible, it's like, for me, it's a bit similar. Like I would write right now a direct message on Instagram to Joseph Gordon-Lewitt and say, 
hey, let's grab a coffee. I think you're cute. And, you know, it's this kind of thing, like, I would think that's impossible. It's just, like, throwing something. And, and actually, he would say, yeah, I'm, I'm actually passing through Bucharest for a project. Yeah, let's grab that coffee. And I would be like, what wow. the fuck? I, I wasn't planning. I wasn't going for this. But yeah. I just dropped yeah. it just in case. But, yeah, for me, it uh, was yeah. a bit like that. Like, something that you think is, like, yeah, I just do it because it doesn't take that much cost, that much of my time and energy. And then the result is, like, what? This is not... <laughs> exactly exactly it came from a place of pure joy mm. and pure sincerity it didn't come from a place of competition yeah because that's how they framed it they're like this is a competition and people take competitions very fucking seriously sometimes right they're like oh i'm in it to win it yeah, you know I and imagine the stress i saw this know? among like local mini mini local comedian groups where you have like this competition yeah. in a city that has 10,000 inhabitants and people are like, uh, <laughs> right, right, right. They lose their shit. And, you know, yeah, it's like, uh, but that's like a tricky thing to balance, right? Because you're also bringing this element of, well, I was just throwing it out there, not expecting it. Mm. Just the impossibility of it the vastness of it made me think, <laughs> yeah, it's probably not going to land. Mm. But it ended up landing, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Interesting. So where, what are you, what are you doing? Like, what's your thing? Are you, uh, are you in media? Like, what's your um, work situation? Yeah, I, so I studied, I studied journalism and public relations. Okay. And I've always worked in public institutions or NGOs um, yeah. in Romania or in Belgium or in France. Uh, I only had a two uh -huh. years where I worked for a private company and it was like really a shock for me <laughs> because I wasn't, I was uh -huh. coming from the public sector to the private sector. For me, it was like a culture shock. Like I didn't expect to see people so eager to step on each other and just to get oh. an end-of-year bonus or something. Uh, so yeah. now, for the past five years almost, I'm working in, in France for an um, NGO from uh, the medical sector. So it's an NGO that creates policies um, for uh, physicians um, from more okay. from an ethical point of view of what a physician oh. should do in his, uh, in his job. Oh, oh interesting. Wow. So there's like this philosophical element well, to philosophical, the work. Like there are some, well, philosophical and, and, and practical in a way, because there are some situations where like there are some countries. Now, I, I, w I wouldn't remember to tell you exactly the countries, but there, there still are some countries to this day that punish uh, homosexuality. So uh, they, uh, in order to confirm that somebody is gay, they, they do forced anal checks. So the, the, oh my God. the ethical and moral dilemma for a physician is, from a human rights point of view, as a physician, you should not perform that on another human. Yeah. But yeah. if you as a physician refuse to perform it, they will ask anybody, like a guardian from the prison, like they, will, they would ask an unspecialized medically like a medically unprepared person to perform that check 
So the, the ethical see. dilemma is you as a physician, do you perform it anyways so you spare that person from an extra pain? Or do you refuse to perform it because it's against human rights, but in the same time, somebody is going to perform it because it's a normally, if this rule exists, it's from a totalitarian state where human rights don't exist. Um, uh -huh. So yeah, sometimes it's not that philosophical. It's more, yeah. That is philosophical, though. I mean, it that's is. like an impossible yeah. kind of situation to be in. Yeah. What is the answer to that? What are what is the recommendation? The, the answer is to well, there is no clear answer because the laws are so subtle and different in each state, and also the risk a physician is taking. Um, but basically, mm. the the recommendation is for the physician to be as vocal about it as possible and to refuse it but also to make sure it's not going to happen so okay of course in theory it's like the un saying we want global hunger to end or we want climate change to happen uh -huh. the theory exists and recommendations exist but what states do and laws they enforce is something uh, that's I think something we try to do and we we discovered it works is uh -huh. uh, engaging all our members from all over the world, like uh, medical associations and councils from all over the world, when something like this okay. happens and yeah. publish public messages about it in a way to okay. let that state know uh, you are not... Uh, like you cannot do this thinking nobody is knowing about it like the whole world right. knows what you're doing and if you continue okay. doing it we will follow on your actions and we will put pressure on you because there's a lot of state leaders that think I can just go on with what I do because nobody cares from the exterior or other states are too afraid to intervene I see. so I think I see. making a fuss about it helps them yeah. be a bit more reluctant and say okay we try to i see yeah so it's more of like an awareness thing you guys yeah. are creating awareness around the issues and then publicizing it so that it's not happening behind closed doors exactly so i guess that that not, not only sends messages to the doctors but also to the patients and lets the patients know what their rights are yeah. to an extent of course hopefully mm they would they would already know but yeah it it sends them a message also to what they should or should a not lot of patients or a lot of patients don't know a lot of people don't know what because when they go into a doctor's office they're going in with full vulnerability mm. they're going in with full trust they're putting their health their bodies in the hands of another individual so they don't have mm. that awareness really and I, I i doubt they have it um, yeah, I understand that's fascinating. That. I yeah. understand that from, yeah, I understand that from the patient perspective, because yeah, like in Romania, um, like okay, the, the, like being a doctor has had different shades on it, uh, but uh -huh. like normally, not that educated people or like yeah, in the small cities, doctors are quite respected, um, huh. and yeah. like. Now that I've been a patient in France and I see that my like my uh, general doctor 
he would uh, ask for permission for everything he's going to do, like even checking my my pulse or anything. He would announce me beforehand and then do it and say, can I touch your knee or whatever, and then do it. And, and uh -huh. it, only when this happened to me in France, it made me remember experiences that I had uh, as a teenager going to my GP sure. and having my GP right. touching my nipples when it was just uh -huh. an exam to see if my lungs were okay. <laughs> but he was just like, right. oh, let's check your... Like, it wasn't um, a, 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 a boob check to see if I have cancer. It was like basically just feeling my boobs because he could and he had an authority yeah. position. Uh -huh. And probably uh -huh. now thinking with my brain from now, he was a very sad 60-year-old in a small, small town that saw a teen underage teenager and, and maybe he was even a pedophile if he was feeling a teenager's boobs. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's yeah. only with my brain from now that I had patient experiences that are positive, that I can understand. Yeah. I think it's like getting a decent boyfriend <laughs> and then you think, oh, <laughs> the others were assholes. <laughs> I thought before I had normal relationships, but no. Hell yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, uh, that's fascinating. It's like, yeah, you, you get good service and then you realize, oh, this is what service <laughs> yeah. is. You know, it's like you eat something nice and you're like, oh, this is what food is. It's like you're relearning what the experience, the ideal experience is. Mm. And you're seeing that the experience you had was not appropriate. Yeah. You know, it was not acceptable. That's really interesting, huh? And yeah, um, I really doubt you were the only young girl that this happened to. I'm sure that that doctor no, groped that, I, a I lot of... I talking to colleagues and they said they had the same, but they were saying they had the same from this perspective of, yeah, he's just a crazy dude. Or Creepy guy. Or he's just... Yeah. That's his style. Like, not even doubting if that should happen. That's or, his style. Or if they should address it or talk about it. or Yeah. Complete acceptance that it's normal. Mm. That they're just like, yeah, he's just the town fixture. He's just the town <laughs> pervert doctor. Yeah. And they just accept it and normalize it. Mm. And uh, it's like a tricky thing, right? Because it's like, on the one hand, yeah, we have this situation where it's like... um it's inappropriate to be feeling up young girls when they're in mm. for an exam. It's really inappropriate. But this guy is doing it to a lot of young girls. And uh, the rationality that we as young women have is like, okay, what's happening to us is probably not okay, but we have to live. So we're going to just say, it's okay. Let's avoid we're problems. just going to file it away as, yeah. it's fine. Yeah, because I gotta live. Enough. I gotta live a normal yeah, life. Yeah, it's not trauma enough that I that I <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or it is a trauma, but it's like, you know what? Let's just say that this is fine. Hmm. Let's just say that this is fine. And and the the decision to say that this is fine and this is part of the norm is sort of what keeps that going, right? Hmm. But on the flip side, it's like, if we were to unearth this and say this guy is a bastard and a creep and like 65 women or 100 and 250,000 women, whatever, they come out and they're like, yeah, he groped all of us, right? 
And it's like, well, okay, then now who's going to be the town doctor, (laughs) right? Like, that also comes into question. He's the one doctor. There's no other doctors here. He's the one guy. What are we going to do, right? 20 years later, when he might not even be practicing or might not even be alive. Right. Or those girls might not even remember that this, because maybe for me it's shocking because now I had other experiences, but maybe they never knew something else in their lives and they're like oh i'm sure i am sure i am sure that they all came around to realizing that what happened was (laughs) not okay i'm sure (laughs) there's no way there's no way that you're gonna get groped by a doctor and not remember it like uh, i have i i've had a doctor creep up on me like that when i was young um, I had another. I had another friend when I was a teen. Uh, when she was a teenager, she had the same thing happen to her. She went into a doctor because she had a cold, but he felt up her breasts. Like yeah. that happened to her. So it's like it happens a lot. And so, uh, it, like a nonprofit like the company you're working at, it's like, or an organization that you're working at, it's doing something to give knowledge to the people and be like, look, this is what a, an appropriate doctor-patient relationship is like. Mm. It's sort of standardizing what the acceptable norm Behaviors, is yeah. rather than saying anal probing because you're gay is all right because mm. that's absurd. I mean, that's heinous. Mm. That's not okay, right? I mean, that's it's like, what fucking century is this? Yeah. So that's interesting that you're saying that state laws are the ones that dictate it. So these local laws dictate those kinds of, yeah, of, of rules. Yeah. So it's not like, so the nation can't enforce like, oh, this is, this we're no longer doing this. Like we're banning this kind of practice. Well, like of has the nation could, not of stepped course they could change the laws. Uh, it's not in Romania, for uh-huh. example. So communism fell in Romania in uh, 1989, but it wasn't until uh, 1996 when they changed the law to say being gay is not illegal anymore. So between the fall mm. of communism until 96, they were still putting people in jail just because they had proofs mm. They were living together with a same-sex person and having some sort of mm-hmm. relationship. So, yeah, of course they can change yeah, it, but yeah. there yeah. needs to be some pressure and, yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I haven't even heard of that law, so I'm just kind of shocked right now. But um, Yeah, we tend to, yeah, think, I mean, we tend to think that... I think globalization is like um, mm-hmm. uh, tricky because we tend to think just yeah. because we're using the same kind of phone or the same kind of social network all over the world, we also have the same kind of rights all over the world. Mm. And mm. it's not like that at all. Like uh, just right. w- we we have access to the same kind of information let's say through the Mm -hmm. internet and through our tools but the rights we have depend so much on the geographical context and on that little world on your passport that says you belong to this nationality Uh, yeah and we have this illusion that we are in this together but in the end the fact of being romanian 
might pose me some problems, uh, more problems than the fact of being French at some point. And right, right. It's now there are states uh, in the European Union that are trying to pass laws that are more harsh on women getting an abortion, uh, which is in again like you would think if it's called European Union, we're in this together and we have the same mm -hmm. kind of rights and laws. Mm -hmm. But then there are states who try yeah. to separate them themselves and and have things that are more uh -huh. harsh or or uh -huh. more strict on it. Uh -huh. I guess that's similar to the United States then, yeah. Because, yeah, we're united as one country, but each state has really zany laws. Mm. Like Texas right now, Georgia, yeah. And I think in the United States it either. must be even more frustrating because you also share the same language. And mm -hmm. a bit what we're talking on a cultural level, you also share the same culture. So it's more over this sensation that you are the same and you are in this same thing together and then you discover no yeah. just because i'm assigned to this part of the of the country then i cannot have the same like even if i'm listening to the same music that is in the top charts or i'm seeing the same yeah. movie on netflix then that doesn't mean that if i want to get an abortion i have the same rights in this state as if i go more north and yeah, I think yeah. that's very tricky to to realize that. Oh no, actually, we're not we're not that similar. <laughs> yeah, I yeah I I know of like cases where um, some young women like if they're living in one state, they'll go to a different state in order mm. to get an abortion done, or you know. But even that causes some issues and problems. Like you know, like certain states don't allow you to go to a different state and use their health use your health insurance. Mm. So then you have you have all this other fucking problems about bills and whatnot. Um, there's this film. Uh, it's called Always, Sometimes, 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 Always, Always. Anyway, it's like it's like a, it's a film about that. It's like okay. two young women. They're like teenagers. They are. They one of them gets pregnant in Pennsylvania. And she's not in like Philadelphia, so she's not near any cities. And she gets pregnant. It's an unwanted pregnancy. She's a teenager. She wants an abortion. But the abortion clinic that she goes to is basically like, you know, you're sinning against God by killing this baby and giving her false medical information, too. It's like, oh, you're actually like 14 weeks along when she's only like nine weeks along or something. So she goes to a different state. She goes to New York. She goes to New York. She takes a bus, goes to New York. And in New York, like they basically say to her, no, you're nine weeks along. These are your rights as a woman, as a human being. It's similar to like what you went through, basically, in that you have this good medical experience and you realize that the other one is like it's you have something to compare it to yeah. and be like yeah that that was all wrong that was all fucked up mm. um uh, yeah so i guess i guess travel's important huh <laughs> like traveling's very imagine imagine, <laughs> imagine if you you are a father that wants to abandon his family imagine they uh -huh. prohibit you from leaving the city they say no Okay, you want to live away from your family, you can live in a different house, but no, mm -hmm. you cannot 
<laughs> you are confined within the borders of this city where your family is and you need to be available yeah. to yeah. to see them and care for them and still you are still obliged to take care of this uh, right yeah. right i think right. we're not something that would never happen yeah th like this is a very sensitive topic for me because i come um let's say i was born from a situation uh like this somehow um because during the com like i was born when romania was still a communist state and uh -huh. towards the last uh, 15 years of communism i think um they passed this decree that made abortion illegal but it wasn't just that like in order to make sure no women was doing an abortion they would do because everybody was working for the state right so they would do monthly uh monthly checks on the women's going to their work and doing a monthly check to know if they are pregnant so let's say you are pregnant oh in March and in April you're not pregnant anymore. So then they will put you to jail or do some problems because that meant you got an illegal abortion. Uh, oh my God. Of course, if you didn't lose the pregnancy like from a natural. So that meant there were a lot of women getting illegal abortions to, because there was also no contraception. So a lot of women were right. risking their lives and and my mom did that and she got plenty of abortions and she also had plenty of kids um but basically after she had uh my brother my fourth uh, brother um she got like the abortion she had after that was so violent that they told her she can never do that again and and she's risking her life and it was like very very violent um Mm. And then there was this 11 years gap where nothing happened. Uh, and when my mom was 43 and my dad was 52, um, she felt things were happening in her body, but like the medical system was not that advanced that they could do scans and all that. And my mom is doubting they did that on purpose because they told my mom, yeah, we think you might have like a fibrom like something like something that needs to an operation or some gynecal problems uh, but come back in three weeks and we'll tell you the results and la, la, la. and my mom came back in three weeks and she said I don't need results anymore because it started moving and oh. that moving thing it was oh me uh, <laughs> so yeah it was wow. too late and my mom suspects that actually they knew she was pregnant but knowing that she already had four kids uh, they didn't want to tell her because they thought maybe she will try and get an illegal abortion and then she risks leaving the other kids wow. uh, without a mom. So they chose this method to oblige her to, to keep um, this pregnancy because, of course, you can imagine like somebody who is at that age and yeah. also like with four grown-up kids already and they were not like yeah. they were really not in a good financial situation. An, a fifth child is not something you would imagine having. Um, so yeah, I, it's similar to it's similar to like when we were talking about oh, like at a certain point we don't want to learn the new stuff anymore, yeah. and it's like your mom has a new stuff coming in. <laughs> and at, at an age, age where you where yeah, where you think, phew, like I can I can relax, and now yeah. finally it's over, and it's like bam. <laughs> 
Yeah. Nope. Nope. Uh, back to square one. Tick, tick. <laughs> Diapers. Boobs. So you have a lot of older siblings who are like way older yeah, than you. Yeah, my, my sister is the first one uh, in the family and she's 22 years older than me. Wow. And then we have three brothers in between and the, this, the, yeah, between me and the brother that is right before me, it's 11 years. So it's quite a lot. Wow. So what's, I mean, but you must still have like a precious relationship with your parents because you're this the youngest yeah it was weird because um so <laughs> my there was a law uh, when communism fell that allowed my pro my father to retire at 50 something like at 55 i think okay when i was like okay. three years old and yeah he felt that uh, i was born in a city where he was working but he felt that being retired and living in a city was like a death sentence so he decided okay. to move to the house he had from my grandma that my grandma was already dead and the house was inhabited. Okay. So basically okay. he moved uh, with a three-year-old, like he moved only with me and my mom because my other brothers and sister was were already in school and sure. university. Yeah. So he yeah. moved only with me and my mom to this house that w was inhabited for like 20 years, had holes in the... Yeah. <laughs> ceiling and wow. there was no wow. like no running water uh, we, we oh were my using God. like this well like, to get water and all that like a fairy tale house it took like yeah. a long time to even get electricity connected and all that and what happened wow. was like this is where the story gets more weird to explain to people and make them understand because I started my first year of school there. Like, I didn't go to any kindergarten. There was no, like, that didn't exist. Like, I was just hanging around the, with the animals yeah. in the house. Yeah. And <laughs> when I was seven, I did my first year of school in the village. And basically, after my first year of school, the, like, the teacher told my parents, look, I think she's quite smart. And keeping her here in the village would ruin her. So can you find a method to send her to some good <laughs> school so when when that happened my sister was like 30 and she just got married and she was living in the in this small city that is like two hours from where my parents live um and my sister talked to her husband and she said would you mind if we get her to live with us and go to school here so basically they were like newlyweds wow. they were one year into this marriage and my sister said I have this eight-year-old <laughs> little sister that I would bring to live with us now. Uh, and yeah, and then I started living with her. And I stayed until I finished high school. So I stayed for 10 years with them. And that was my... Jesus. So I was seeing my parents only during vacations. And also, like, it was a long time until they got a landline in the village. So for a long time we wouldn't have that many news from each other like and when they got a phone it was like a normal landline so we would maybe speak once a day on the phone but seeing each other it was only during like school vacations or if they would come to visit it wasn't because they were like oh we miss you so much it was more because they would bring produce from the village like they would bring cheese they would bring like some chicken or something for us to eat um yeah, so it was quite uh, quite strange. And of course, I had 
a good relationship with my parents and it's weird because I'm the fifth one but in the same time I was like raised like an only child um, yeah and like, yeah I, by your sister yeah by my sister and I think for me it was the best solution because my sister was like closer to me in age and she had a lot of patience and she treated me like a princess like I had the perfect life with her and I think maybe if huh. I would have lived with parents that were so old with such a big age difference yeah I would have had right. much more frustration and conflict and right but yeah it was uh Indian unfortunately now like my my dad passed away my my mom passed away like six years ago and my dad passed away last year from COVID so but I'm sorry yeah but it was like yeah I had a good relationship with them while uh, while we were like seeing each other and all that um, the only thing that was funny was that my father was so old school like he was asking me like oh you've been so long with your boyfriend why don't you get married la, la. and at that sure. point I was living in Brussels and I said like why is it so important for you to get married and <laughs> the answer of my father that lived in a village like with 20 people he said well what would the other people say if at some point you break up with him and then you start living with another man and they will say the people like he was like the people will say you jump <laughs> from one man to another and i was like do you do you think i take the metro in brussels and people are like elbowing <laughs> each other and saying <gasps> is the woman that jumped from a man <laughs> to another <laughs> did you see her <laughs> and yeah. she had this yeah, yeah. mentality of the people yeah, who yeah. judge if you do anything that is outside the rules that they decided for right society. but it's like he he has that mentality not because he believes that but it's because you asked him why yeah, like I to why is that a problem and getting married nobody nobody questioned him nobody questioned that <laughs> yeah. so he has to come up with an answer on the fly and it's a bullshit answer he i'm sure as he was saying it he's like this sounds ridiculous but yeah. it's like you asked why and uh yeah it's like a lot of people have that conservative mentality when it comes to sex and um this is something that your mother and you like your whole family encountered this very fully you know like and apparently um the way to control any population is by controlling their sexuality mm. by saying homosexuality is unacceptable by saying that women have to give birth and you know it's like in a country like romania it's like well why did they say that you have to give birth it's like well because we have to grow the country <laughs> we have to grow the population yeah. we have to grow the labor force we have to grow the capital here and and so it's like not seeing them as human beings but as kind of looking them as cows yeah. you know kind of looking at them yeah, like livestock and being like or producing more you're a breeder yeah. yeah 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 that's usually how a lot of um a lot of kind of like totalitarian countries look at mm. human beings a lot of the times mm. you know um south korea is like that a lot of the times people think south korea is very progressive and whatnot but it's like it has a lot of problems around childbirth and child rearing and economic issues hmm. and it's a it's a constant problem and all of it has to do with control of sexuality control of women's health 
Korea didn't legalize abortion up until very recently, mm. literally in the last two years. Yeah. And I, yeah. I think it's um, like the less independence a woman has from a man. I, I even heard cases of friends in Romania who said, well, I need to have a child as soon as possible because I need him, I need my partner to have a reason to wow. stick with me. Wow. It's like, uh, because like the partner in their conception, a partner means financial security. A partner means, yeah, I will be sure to pay the mor mortgage on this flat that we got for the next 40 years or 30 years. So wow. if he's tied to me by this child, he cannot live yeah. and leave me economically unsecure. He is obliged to secure my future. And Jesus. I think... Because I saw some comments, they were talking about how can we increase uh, childbirth in Romania, mm -hmm. and they were saying, mm -hmm. people were saying, oh, give more money to women, but then you saw, or give more money just to help the educational system or whatever. But then people were giving yeah. uh -huh. the example of Nordic countries where they have a lot of money, but women are not having more kids. And I think yeah. that's because women don't need men to exist so they can choose to have a kid only if they think it's a project they want independently like even without a man in their life like if they think this is something yeah. I want to experience I will do it but yeah. they don't need to have kids just because they were obliged by the social pressure or by the state or by yes. the fear they might lose this relationship that makes them feel secure in society exactly it's not motivated by fear mm. and it's like how do you get fucked up kids it's like well if the parents are motivated by fear mm. it's like well if i don't marry this person they're gonna talk shit i marry i marry them <laughs> if i don't have a child they're gonna talk shit mm. have a child if i don't raise this child into the best child ever to go to all the best schools and have the best job ever they're gonna talk shit fucking pressure the child to become something mm. that they don't want to fucking become and then say hey child you have to get married to somebody of the opposite sex and have a baby mm. immediately and make sure that that kid that so it's like fear is what's motivating all of that mm. and and i like how you say if a woman in in a stable economy who has her own independence and who has her own job if she wants to pursue motherhood as a project mm. right <laughs> And it's like, technically, children are projects. Yeah. Like, that's that's a truth. That's a truth that we feel uncomfortable hmm. acknowledging. But yeah, let's, let's think about it. Like, because they're not. It's it's it's, it's something that happens. Yeah, yeah. That can kill you. They can look <laughs> you in the eye with dead eyes and yeah. say, "I want to." End your life, adult, in front of me. So, <laughs> is that still a miracle? No. <laughs> Were you like this as a five-year-old? Are you just talking about your past no, life right now? No, no, no. I got the I got the impulses out because they were killing animals in front of me without even blinking that there's a child looking at you decapitating a chicken. So I think I got oh. all violent impulses out by watching this yeah, yeah, yeah. violent Netflix yeah. live. Uh, it was something that's yeah. funny, and it's about sexuality. They had no yeah. problems if they, my father, if he was cutting 
a chicken. He had no problem of me watching. Like, of course, he didn't say, Magda, come out. I'm but if I was just passing by, he would be like, well, doing his thing. But then if they would bring the... Um, was the husband of the cow, the ox, the... Uh-huh, the, the bull. bull. Yeah, if they would bring the bull to impregnate the cow, uh-huh. then I was not allowed out of the house. Like, I was allowed <laughs> to see a decapitated chicken doing like this yeah. <laughs> around the whole courtyard, spreading blood. Jesus. From her, oh, my God. While life was leaving her body. And I was not allowed uh. to see... Two cows having sex. Life coming. Yeah, life being created. That was not yeah, even you were not allowed it to look at that. It was not even messy. It was nothing. It was one cow on yeah. top of each other. It could be like a hug from the back. Yeah. But no, that I wasn't yeah. allowed to yeah. see. You were not allowed to see that. No, no. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's like the, the contradictions <laughs> of how to control sexuality. Yeah. That also has to do with controlling sexuality. It's like putting it under a veil, making it a mystery, then it will never and happen. then it becomes... And then it becomes easy to call it a miracle because it's like, oh, you didn't see what the hell happened, but voila, here's a new baby cow. Then it's a miracle, right? Oh, how funny. Okay, let's um, let's jump to some flashcard questions and then we'll wrap this up. So every uh, episode of my podcast, I just ask my guest some scenarios from a show and then you just answer what you would do if you were in that situation. Okay. And the show I'm going to talk about is called Hospital Playlist. There are two seasons of it on Netflix, um, most likely in Europe as well. Uh, but in any case, I'm just going to ask you a few questions based on the show and those characters and just answer what you would do, okay? So let's say you're a surgeon. You you specialize in liver, like liver surgery. Your name is Ikjun. You have a son who is very young. He's in elementary school. And your wife tells you that she's been cheating on you and that she wants a divorce what do you do and where am i when i hear the news am i at the hospital or just with my wife you're at a coffee shop okay i think uh she might have all the reasons to divorce because being a surgeon means you spend a lot of time in the hospital and ignore your family uh-huh. but because i'm a liver surgeon uh-huh. i know how livers work and i would be uh-huh. like she wants to divorce i'm i'm probably like if she wants a divorce and i have a kid probably i'm like 40 50 something so i'm like Let's have a bit of fun with my body towards the end of my life because I would know if I'm a liver surgeon that I can probably bribe somebody to get a fresh new liver if I need a transplant. So I will just start drinking wow. a lot of alcohol and do a lot of drugs <laughs> to fuck up my liver. But like still live at 10% so I can be functional and bribe somebody to give me a fresh new liver okay. in the last moment and start yeah. a life over. There you go. Okay. <laughs> wow. You're uh, a gambler. Yeah. Live live hard. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's say uh, you're the mother of three children. You're, you're an older woman. Your children are all adults. They're grown. Your two oldest children are priests in the Catholic Church. Your youngest son, Yunsuk, he's a pediatric surgeon. So he's a doctor. One day, your youngest son 
tells you that he wants to quit his job as a doctor and go into the priesthood because it's too depressing to see sick people all the time. What do you do? I would tell him, do you know what is really, really sick? Fucking little children when you are a Catholic priest. So if you don't want to see sick, if you don't want to see sick people, son, don't go into the Catholic Church. Stay in the hospital. At least in the hospital, you see one person at a time. In the Catholic Church, everyone is sick. <laughs> Very good answer. Wow. That is a really good answer. I, I was not expecting such an answer ever, ever in my life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Let's say you're... You're a different surgeon now. You're a surgeon named Chunwan. Okay. And you have a you have a crush on your best friend's younger younger sister. Her name is Iksun. And you start dating her. She's legally young. But she or doesn't young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're all adults. You're all adults. <laughs> she's like she's like in her late 30s. You're in your early 40s. Okay. And um you start dating her. She doesn't want you to tell anybody about your relationship, not even her brother, who is your best friend. But not too long in the relationship, your girlfriend says that she needs to move to a totally different country for like a year or so because she has to pursue graduate school. What do you do? I convince her to get pregnant right before she leaves. <laughs> <laughs> so then I fuck all her life and future decisions. And also, I don't need to assume it's it's called it's called the Jesus move because that's what God did when he got Maria pregnant. He sent his best friend Gabriel to let Maria know she was pregnant. So basically, instead of me wow. having to face her brother and my friend and tell him I'm fucking your sister, I will just get her pregnant so she needs to have the uncomfortable conversation with him and tell him, well, look, I have news to tell you. I think, I think, I would be, I, I think I, I'm an asshole in all situations, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what happens in the real series, but I think if I would be a man, I would be quite an asshole. I'm a quite decent woman, though. Yeah. I'm, like, disclaimer, I'm a super decent Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, you are. You are. And, uh, yeah, it's like, if we, if a woman has a chance to be a man, she will be an asshole. She will be the worst man possible, right? Like, that's the dream. In fact, like, that's how a lot of mother-in-laws end up, right? Like, they sense a little bit of pow masculine power, yeah. and they just become total fucking bitches. Yeah. <laughs> Not just mother-in-laws, like executives, female executives. Oh my God. Like, you know, when you meet them, they're fucking monsters. Um, but okay, great. Risky yeah. affirmation. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, no, they are. They're fucking bitches. Okay, <laughs> let's say let's say you're the same guy. You're the same the sister, doctor uh, guy the who was um, having sex with the... Uh -huh. With the... Yeah, the sister lovemaker, yeah. Okay, you're Chunan again. Your girlfriend, the sister, she breaks up with you and says it's because she's been cheating on you. But you later find out that the reason why she broke up with you is because she was very ill and she had to undergo a very intense surgery concerning her liver. And she was back in the country for a long time. You just didn't know. You didn't know any of this. What do you do? Okay. Um... 
I would apologize for all the nasty messages I sent her when I found out she was cheating on me. <laughs> and for emailing her employer and her people from the university she was supposed to go to saying she got me this venereal disease and she should not be allowed into the compound <laughs> of the university because she might spread STDs to everyone. And after this, I would probably bring her flowers and a Starbucks coffee, I think. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's how you get forgiven if to you're make a up man. For it. Yeah. I saw that in the movies, flowers. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. that's enough. <laughs> you don't need to do therapy. You don't need to do any soul searching. You bring flowers, and and she spreads her legs and says, "Welcome back." Is she <laughs> I would yeah, also, also ask if there's yeah. a risk of the disease coming back, because if there's a risk, I don't want to get in that relationship again. Like I don't want to need to deal with taking care of her. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. Okay, all right. Wow. Yeah, you're a grade A asshole as a man. It's amazing. I love it. <laughs> you're the perfect man in a way in a way you're like i'm very attracted to you as a man like i love toxic men they're like my favorite yeah they turn me on okay all right final question um you're a woman this time oh, you're a woman you you're a neurosurgeon yeah yeah now it's tricky you're a, a neurosurgeon named Hongha, and one of your best friends ikjun the guy who recently got divorced who has a baby son Ikjun says that he's had a crush on you for a long time and he wants to ask you out. But you have a memory of him totally blowing you off and being rude to you when you were both students, when you were when you guys were in medical school. Like you guys had some flirtatious tension and when you wanted to go out with him, he was like not having it. Mm. But that was back in the day, like almost 20 years ago. Mm. Meanwhile, right now, while this guy has a crush on you, there's another guy, a very gentlemanly, very sweet, calm, supportive, younger man who is a resident. Okay, so he's like below the ranks, mm. but he's showing his affections for you. What do you do? Mm. Um, I think the younger man showing his affection can can be friend zoned so I can have him on hold and then I will start dating the guy who blew me off when I was young because in my real life I'm a very um, remorseful person no re re like uh. revengeful person I don't take revenge but I remember everything like I don't act <laughs> on revenge but I, I have a very good memory okay. resentful resentful person I'm a very uh, resentful person uh. so I think what I would do I would start dating him and since he's like freshly divorced, his self-confidence is not that high. So I would get uh. him like an additional trauma while he's dating me. Like I will mock his body, like his love handles, or tell him he has men boobs and get him to have surgery, to have the men boobs eliminated, to, to be more likable to me. And after, when he's in pain with the uh -huh. bandages on his men boobs and after the surgery, and he's like, do you like me more now, Magda? Do you like me more? I would say, I like you the way you liked me when I was 17, bitch. And then I would call my young <laughs> friend-zoned guy and say, oh, I thought about it and I don't see you as a brother anymore. Now I see you as a brother that can have Pornhub sex to me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
Wow, you should have become a surgeon. Yeah, I think that's what you should. That's, you should have become a doctor. Yeah, not, not a screenplay、yeah. writer. <laughs> no, 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 a doctor. You should have lived the theater of your life like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are these real things that happen in this series, or? Uh huh.、Okay. Yeah, yeah. These are real, real scenes from the、okay. show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So、yeah. I guess they don't、uh, go your answers. Your answers. <laughs> no, no. Your answers make a way better show. Way better <laughs> show. Way, way. On Netflix, it needs to be like on a dark website. Where... <laughs> no, no. They could show it on they Netflix. It. They could show it on Netflix.、Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't think anything you said was too much by any means a stretch. Yeah, no,、okay. no. They could see it on Netflix. It would have been a better show on Netflix.、Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm、sure. available for.、Yes. Spicing up scenarios, proposals. <laughs> I, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah you're. For assholing up scenarios. <laughs> you're very good at it. Yeah, yeah. You're like, you're like a genius at it. Yeah, assholing up. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Magda. Thank you.